0: Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. So when am I going to see what these magic hands can really do here, huh? I mean, I don't want to have to take back that week I was so kind to give you. You wouldn't even have time to pack before you have to go back to wherever the hell you came from. In a week,
1: this is going to come right back here and I'm going to have nowhere left to go. But here he is, literally in my hands talking about not enough space. Darwin and like it's a dare.
0: What a fool. Gotta break the C2 or the C1 to kill somebody.
1: That's what Tabitha taught me. Because if you're gonna be alone with half-naked you gotta know how
0: to protect yourself. The C2 or the C1. I could do it if I had to. Okay, you're being a I don't have one. What
1: was that? No turning back from that.
0: Yeah, you can describe a murder in graphic detail as long as you're not swearing while you're doing it. Uh, That's The Horrors of Dolores Roach. You can stream all of season one now on Amazon Prime Video. James Dempsey joins us once again. Afternoon, James. Good afternoon, Sean. Uh, Right, so this is based on a podcast... Yeah, it's based on a podcast
1: which itself is based on a one woman show from I think around 2015, which was called Empanada Loca. And then uh, Gimlet, which is a big producer of podcasts that I think ultimately was bought out by Spotify. They produced it as a, I think maybe a 10 part drama series um, podcast. And then this is the televised version of it. So the third iteration, all from the same creator who um, is a guy named Aaron Mark. And in it, the I think one fundamental change they have made is that the kind of uh, the the bookends to this series is <laughs> a real version of the play taking place on stage, to at which uh, which is about um, Dolores, and Dolores is a ex con. She went to je- she went to prison uh, sixteen years ago when she was arrested for drug possession with intent to distribute and she sort of didn't rat out her boyfriend. And where we find her as she is narrating her own story to the actress telling her or playing her rather, uh, where, when we find her 16 years later, she has been you know, dumped out of prison unceremoniously. She has no money. She has no family left. She returns to her old neighborhood of Washington Heights in Manhattan to discover it has been completely, utterly gentrified. She doesn't recognize anything or anyone. And she happens upon um, an old empanada shop where she used to have her empanadas. And there she meets Luis, who's played by Alejandro Hernandez. And uh, they begin... Uh, well he lets her stay and they begin she begins giving massages which is what we kind of heard her talking about there about her magic hands and uh, then the show itself is very upfront in saying it's inspired by Sweeney Todd so it won't take you know any cultured listener too long to figure out where the story goes from there so you get this very um increasingly frantic uh dolores who is increasingly becoming murderous when she should be massaging and then empanadas becoming (laughs) filled with uh, more unusual delicacies and all in um I you know I, I watched the entire season. I think there's only eight episodes. They're half an hour each, so a very very easy summer binge. And I absolutely ingested the first four with like great relish. They were so tense at times. Uh, Justina Machado, who's the voice we heard there, she plays Dolores. She um she's a she's an actress who got her her kind of her break on Six Feet Under about 20 years ago, and then was a bit of a bit player for a long time, taking small parts in various things. And her biggest hit to date with Probably be the netflix sitcom one day at a time which um is an absolute favorite of mine i think it is a really old school kind of laugh track almost sitcom but it is very 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 funny and it was very unceremoniously um cancelled by netflix and then picked up for a further season by another network but then ultimately went away and here we're getting to see a completely different side of her which is you know, a bit dark and macabre and a bit um, intense in a way that like when she was delivering punchlines, you know, on a sitcom, we didn't get that kind of range from her. Equally interesting is her kind of co-lead, Alejandro Hernandez, who I have never encountered in anything before. I think he's a Cuban-American actor. Um, they have this very unusual chemistry uh, as the leads of this show and certainly hold it together because, as I said, the first four episodes are fantastic and then things kind of just go off the rails a bit towards the end, which is particularly unsatisfying in the third iteration of a show, right? <laughs> like they had a one-moment show, mm. they had a podcast series, and I kind of... Uh, for me, they it, it just things got out of hand, you know, uh, like the more the murders begin to pile up. And, uh, you know, at the beginning, there's kind of this social commentary about the murders, because uh, who we hear in that clip that we heard is the landlord, who, of course, is, uh, you know, the, the, these bloody landlords. Right. So uh, <laughs> he is to be treated with scorn. Yeah. And it's all about gentrifying and, uh, you know, the neighborhood, et cetera. But as the body count rises, <laughs> like the victims become increasingly um Not bad. So it's sort of like hard
0: to maintain any sympathy. Yes, I mean because usually, even you know, obviously it's a murder, but there's some sympathy in this iteration, at least some sympathy for the murderer. Because, exactly. Yeah, but, uh, uh, but as things go ahead, she's just killing randomers and they're yes, perfectly and it nice sort people. Of feels, it feels
1: like it comes out of nowhere and it's unmerited and it's unjustified and they just keep happening. And it sort of just seems to lose the run of itself almost. And then, you know, like I'm not quite sure how well this framing device works of of Dolores meeting the actress who's playing her on stage after and you know after uh, uh, in this in series world uh, podcast about her has gone to fame it's a bit sef- self referential but oh, yeah. it seems to be only doing it for the sake of it if you get me like mm. the kind of book ended part doesn't really make that much sense and it also sort of distra- like it, it takes away from the tension because we know that Dolores is talking about her past story so we know she's going to get away <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know at the end no matter what obviously the journey is what matters more than the ultimate destination but As a summertime binge, this is funny at times, shocking at times, uh, weird in a kind of a very enjoyable way at times. It's just, you know, go in with um,
0: relatively medium expectations and you won't be disappointed. Oh, gosh, Uh, that last sentence really really cut the legs (laughs) from underneath it, James. Uh, But there's no danger that there won't be there'll be a season two of this. Well, there was a season two of the
1: podcast. Oh gosh! Um, and certainly, it ends on a kind of cliffhanger, and uh, it ends on a on the kind of cliffhanger that they that if you know if uh, if the show is cut dead by Amazon in its prime, uh, so to speak, um, then I don't think anyone will be too dissatisfied with the ending. Uh,
0: but certainly, there's scope there for something else happening. Right, OK, we'll move on to our second show of the day. And, you know, rarely enough, uh, um, uh, we choose a sh- or James chooses a show from uh, the scandal-free BBC One. Uh, this is uh, Queen of Oz. You can watch it on Fridays at 9.30pm. Here's a clip.
1: So, getting started. Tonight's welcome
0: reception is... Hold on, not tonight. I've been travelling for 24 hours. I know, long haul's a killer, but this was agreed two weeks ago. Yes, but not for today.
1: I agreed to do it tomorrow. No, when
0: you agreed to it, today would have been tomorrow. No, tomorrow would have been tomorrow. No, tomorrow would have been, tomorrow. No, tomorrow would have been two days after today. I think the mix-up is you agreed to do it tomorrow because you didn't realise that tomorrow was today in Australia.
1: Because when you agreed to do it tomorrow, you were in England, where it was yesterday.
0: What are you a fing time lord now? Just got back from the planet of the tiny doll hands. How are we only now figuring out the bloody time difference? Planet <laughs> of the tiny doll hands, that's funny. Okay, right, that's just get out, please, everyone. Just get out! Well, that could have gone better. I hate Australia! Gosh. Uh, Right, Uh, Catherine Tate there, obviously, James. And does she actually become Queen of Australia?
1: Yes, so she plays Princess George. Georgiana of the British royal family, and she's, uh, you know, a, a redheaded spare to the throne who uh, the press absolutely loads and the public not is not too fond of either. And in the opening episode, she um, has a sca- uh, her umpteenth scandal of even this year. So as a way to sort of distance her from the family essentially the, the the premise of the show is that the uk royals give up their claim to the throne of australia and just force her to become the queen of australia and ship her off down under where she now has to be the queen and it is essentially a fish out of water comedy where you have this totally obnoxious royal getting to you know learn learn, learn to love the bogans and barbies and whatever other australianisms you want to throw in and you know i have to really admire kind of the of Catherine Tate because originally this was intended to be called Queen of Canada which <laughs> was supposed to be exactly the same thing except set in Canada and when they couldn't you know I think they tried to get that off the ground around 2018 and they've been shopping this idea by they I mean Catherine Tate herself Jeff uh, Gutheim, who uh, they are married to each other, and Borga Dotter, who is a Canadian producer. And when they couldn't basically get it off the ground in Canada, they took it down under instead, where the BBC agreed to co-produce along with an Australian streamer. And this is uh, at times better than it should be and at times a little kind of disappointing when it fails to live up to the best parts of it. Um, like, any, like any sitcom, it works best when you know, get to know the kind of archetype characters so you have Catherine as Queen Georgiana who is this like absolutely obnoxious, rude uh, chain-smoking royal who is polite to everyone except for when she's not getting her way and Catherine Date is like, you know, I mean she cut her teeth in the TV game on her sketch show which was full of archetypal characters so when it comes to kind of leaning all the way into some kind of character she's fantastic and she runs away with the best jokes in the show which come in every single episode i mean i laughed my way through the whole thing there's a fantastic episode in which they her her support staff picked the wrong portrait for her five dollar note you know um face i don't know what Mm -hmm. words i'm looking for which is really 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 funny She's then surrounded by, um, like, her lady-in-waiting, her private secretary, the head of communications, the prime minister of Australia, et cetera, et cetera. And what happens? I mean, all the kind of usual stereotypical sitcom adventures. She heads off into the bush. She uh, befriends, you know, she has to open a a maternity ward. For me, when I was watching it, it was like, it's kind of like, it's Veep Light, you know, right? It's about this woman who's in a, a position of great authority, And little uh, consequence, (laughs) you know, like I said, it doesn't like she, you know, ostensibly she has this very important role, but really nobody kind of respects her. And she's a powerhouse and a weapon in her own right. And she's surrounded by people that are idiots, but they all kind of hate each other and love each other at the same way. Now, is it as funny as Veep? Absolutely not. Right. It just isn't. Is it funny? Yeah, I have to admit, I was surprised by how how taken I was with it as a silly little diverting sitcom in which a very capable actress plays a horrible person. I laughed in every
0: single episode. Okay, fair enough. Does she have much interaction with, you know, Australia in, in, you know, or is it kind of within a sort of palatial bubble that she's existing?
1: So it's a bit different in the sense that, like, it's, you know, it's not like a sitcom of old where there would have been a set of her palace, right? Mm. I mean, certainly there is, uh, there's an on-location filming in, I think it's called Macquarie House. I don't know if it's the real one. It definitely was, it was filmed in Sydney, but I don't know, like, if this is really a stately home. I'm not that familiar with Sydney Cider mansions. But, um, she, you know, she, she, uh, like, certainly it's it's more about her going around her, uh, going about her business. So, you know, as I said, there's an episode where she goes off and, and opens a maternity ward. Wo- ward there's a a whole subplot involving her brother the crown prince coming to visit and going to like an animal sanctuary and then there's a subplot kind of a little bit actually a little bit like dolores roach it kind of goes slightly off kilter towards the back half of the season where the where the plot surrounds her and a royal marriage and and it, it to me it's just a little too saccharine for a show that's supposed to be about this absolutely ruthless horrible woman which is where the funniest laughs come from when she's sort of ripping her her you know her coterie of of hangers-on to shreds is when the show is at its funniest and it and if a season two comes it should lean
0: heavier into that yeah i wonder uh, i i assume they've sold this to australian television like
1: I imagine I'm so as well. it was to actually, know how it's doing there. Yeah, it um, was much better reviewed in Australia than it was in the UK.
0: Ah, interesting. Right, uh, we'll move on to our second or a third show of the day. It is Legend of Vox Machina. You can stream seasons one and two now on Amazon Prime Video. Here's a clip. So you're saying you've uh, heard of me? Indeed, I have. We're not even from here. Just in the wrong place at the wrong time. But aye, we've heard of you. (laughs) Tales of Scanlan Shorthalt's magical music have travelled far and wide. Hold up. I'm famous? No one wants your damn autograph. These people have no food and are running out of water. The herd's been going door to door demanding allegiance and gold. Anyone who comes up short is slaughtered. And the dragon? Is working with them. You need to get us out of here immediately. What? Uh, Oh... Hold up. I'm just scouting this place, okay? I I don't even have my loot. If I could reach my friends, maybe they could... Your friends? Your friends aren't here. You are. One thing I learned in this life, no one comes back to save you. So, Scanlan Shorthalt, what are you prepared to do? Who knows what he's prepared to do? So, should be pointed out this is animation. This is animation. Yeah. Now, that's not how it began. Right. So it began
1: as a thing called Critical Role, which uh, I think is about five years old. And it is a bunch of American voice actors. Uh, That's why it's called The Legend of Vox Machina, which is the voice of the machine. So it's all these voice American voice actors. They got together and they started this Dungeons and Dragons live stream where every Thursday they would play Dungeons and Dragons for three hours. And this is hugely popular. There's over 400 hours of them playing, you know, uh, playing Dungeons and Dragons already online. And a couple of years ago, they decided that they wanted to make one 22 minute episode, like cartoon episode of their adventures. And they went to Kickstarter in the hope of raising 70. And basically, uh, within a few days, they had raised or certainly by the end of the campaign, maybe a month, they had raised 11.5 million. And with that, they were able they were able to produce an entire like first season of the show, which debuted uh, last year and was successful enough that Amazon greenlit a second and have already greenlit a third. And within it, it is this, like, I mean, it's fantasy adventure, right? It is fantasy adventure in the Dungeons & Dragons vein. I say that having literally no idea actually how Dungeons & Dragons is played. (laughs) beyond I know there being a 20-sided die and um, a dungeon master and... Like that's kind of it. Right? So um, in it, it, you know, you have these archetypal characters like you have like a, a pair of twin elf, half elf, half human ranger types. Uh, you uh, you've got a, like a, a woman who can do some magic. You've got a big kind of barbarian kind of guy. You've got a couple of you've got like a, two gnomes, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And they all have a backstory and it's all very tongue in cheek with. Uh, numerous, like lots, like, I mean, jokes, all very rich and fast and funny jokes, loads of cursing, an incredible level of violence. I mean, this is certainly not a cartoon you put on for anyone under the age of, uh, well, I don't know, what age you show major violence to mm. your kids, have, but this is not what you want to be showing them because we're talking about like the most visceral, bloody violence I have seen in a long, I mean, at times, breathtakingly violent. And all in, I just kind of, You know, it's summertime, so uh, things are thinner on the ground and it was being pushed big time on Amazon again. And I thought I would give it a go. And if you are interested in high fantasy, uh, this is this will be right up anybody's alley because it is, you know, the story itself. I, like I realize it's a bit of an ask to ask Irish adults, particularly, to give animation a go, adult animation a go. But this is uh, at times stunningly beautiful to look at. I mean, the artwork is incredible. The you know the 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 voice acting. These are you know like these are all professional voice actors, and they bring it to every scene that they're in. That I mean, that's how they became so successful playing Dun- Dungeons and Dragons. They were ad libbing. They were doing the voice acting directly live, and it was all recorded. And you can go back if anyone is really interested. You can watch all. 400 hours of the two campaigns that they've done. And this series covers, you know, only like something like 20 episodes of the of the weekly show that they were doing. The second series, another 20 episodes. So th- there is legs in this for it to go, you know, for series after series after series, if that's if they if they want to put the money into it. But all in, like if you are interested in serious high fantasy and you like your cartoons in the vein of like Netflix, Castlevania or, uh, you know, any of the really, really famous kind of Japanese uh, manga or animation ones like Attack on Titan, which have this incredible level of violence, which just seems so bizarre to us to see in a medium that we often ascribe to really young viewers. uh, It's worth giving it a go. Definitely.
0: Yeah, right. Between uh, between that and the horrors of Dolores Roach, uh, pretty high <laughs> body count this week, James. Uh, Definitely. Hope, <laughs> hope everything's okay with you. <laughs> right. So those three uh, shows today are the horrors of Dolores Roach. You can see all of season one now on Amazon Prime Video. The Queen of Oz. That's on Fridays at nine thirty PM on BBC One. And the Legend of Vox Machina. You can stream seasons one and two now on Amazon Prime Video. James Dempsey, thanks a million. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. with Anna Glaze. on News Talk.